we are getting very good at clapsings today. <laughs> so we've had a had a bit of technical trouble leading into this, but we're here now. So uh, before we get into our guests today, we've got a, a very exciting guest actually. But before we get into that, I just want to make a quick mention. After last week's or last episode, where I asked all of you your opinions on track source and mitosaurs, the response that we got was just it was amazing i i started getting this, this sort of a couple of questions come through and i thought oh that's cool we can use this in the show we can we can talk about some of the answers but after about a week after that show coming out i'd kind of lost track of all the people who had um had gotten in touch so yeah huge thank you to everyone um the the number of responses was way more than i'd expected yeah and, and like the, really the, the overall outcome was probably a miter saw is not a precision tool right yeah, yeah, well, not only that, so there was, there was two main takeaways from it. The first is that I got the impression from my responses, because there, there was a lot that went to the Shop Store podcast Instagram page, but I had a lot of people mm-hmm. finding me personally, which, again, was, was really cool. Most people said, miter tool, track saw, no precision. Just don't, pretty much uh, uh, what you guys said, you know, you're never going to get that. Um, but the other thing that was really interesting was all these other brand names, that were coming out right. of it that I'd never heard of. Cool. So yeah, you know, yeah. it was funny. Just about we recorded, we finished that recording, and I went immediately out to the workshop and had to cut a miter, and I just went to the drop saw and cut my miter, and I was like, "That that looks shit," and I put my square <laughs> on it. <laughs> it was so far out of square. I was like, "I just talked about this whole thing," so I ended up doing <laughs> it on my. <laughs> on my sliding table saw it was so crazy i just went straight to it and i was like oh, nope that's shit <laughs> that's that uh that that builder vein that's running through you yeah that's, i think that's so where you go yeah. to yeah yep you, you guys are good workshops still progressing joey yeah things are actually happening which is good I've got uh sparky yep. things happening at the moment uh, drainage things happening. We've already moved the CNC up. We've moved stuff, even though the roller door is not in yet. But um, things are being shifted, and we've got one more week at the old place, and then that's it. Oh, awesome. exciting! Yes, exciting. Very good. good. Yeah, I'm pretty tempted to move my workshop into an arc after the uh, weather we've been having in Melbourne. Oh yeah, what's up with yeah. that? I didn't see anything about it, and suddenly it's flooded. Cool. <laughs> Got pretty close. Yeah. So the river out the front of my workshop. I mean, I, I, it was forecast the rain was coming and they said it was going to get high. I moved a lot of tools off the workshop floor and then a friend sent me a photo of the local pub under about two meters, three meters of water. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit. So yeah, um, got in and fairly big floodplain now. I don't know whether people can hear the frogs in the background, but it's like having kakadu on my uh, doorstep. It's just a big stinky <laughs> floodplain. But um, yeah, fortunately we were spared, but lots of houses absolutely ruined. So yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, it's been a, been a crazy time. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into our guests. So, um, Brian, do you want to do you want to do the intro? Seeing as this is someone that you know personally very well. Sure. So um, today on the show, we are delighted to have Vivian Wong, who's my former intern and now flown the nest, and she's all out on her own, 
doing some incredible work. So welcome to the show, Viv. Thank you, Brian. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah and you, because we've heard a lot of stories. Most, most of them good. Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, something that I'm very interested in, in today's show about is uh, for anyone who's, who's looking to become an intern, you know what's involved sort of you know what's your process of approaching people like brian um you know how you go about that before we get to that how did you Mm. get to the point where as brian said you've now gone off on your own how did you get have you have you always had um trades in the family is that something that you were introduced at an early age how did you get to become the woodworker that you are now yeah um good question uh there are no trades um in my family but i would say that my mom is a pretty creative kind of crafty person um and yeah i think just generally as kids we were sort of i don't know always encouraged to um be imaginative and you know make things and in our spare time and be crafty and um yeah i think that's just something that sort of imparted from her a little bit but um yeah i got into basically um furniture making when i was coming to the end of a dancing career i've oh. sort of, um been a, a yeah i'd been a, a prof- professional uh dancer from about the age of 18 to my mid-30s and kind of got to a point where you know my body was telling me to stop and that I needed to do something else and I was really interested in yeah seeing what else I could do you know dance had been something I'd done from you know the age of six so I kind of was really interested in exploring other avenues that still allow me to be kind of creative Mm. and and physical so yeah i um worked up a bit of long service leave and took that at at half pay close to um the end of my career and started doing these um courses around melbourne and kind of just fell in love with it just I've always loved you know the material timber and thought like I could really see myself doing this as a as a, another sort of profession so yeah that's kind of how I started to get into it um, and I guess it all started with a doing like an introductory uh, course at Melbourne Polytechnics it was like a nighttime mm. class thing for um, a couple of terms, and um, after I did that, that's I yeah you know, I actually didn't really know what else or what my next step was. Um, I kind of you know read that there are a few different um, you know furniture design courses through different unis, but I guess I was immediately more drawn to the practice as a craft first, not necessarily as a design thing and anyway I just started to reach out and research local makers um, you know and looked at other sort of 
courses that I could do that were short term allowed me to sort of still um, get casual work and um, but then still allow myself to kind of uh, learn a bit about the craft at the same time. Mm. Um, Sorry, Viv, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. So you you danced for the Royal Australian Ballet. Was it, did they run a grants program or something as like a yeah they did exit career for dancers? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So after there's a certain um, amount of time that you sort of are a professional dancer with that company. Um, you have the chance to apply for um, like a retraining grant um, bursary thing. So yeah, I was fortunate that I had served a long enough time there that that was something that I could apply for. And I used um, some of that money to do other sort of courses and to also buy a bit of my own um, machinery, like hand tools and oh, stuff. Wow. So, yeah, that <laughs> was cool. really a big leg up in terms of, um, yeah, following through with some classes and getting a few tools to start practicing. It's a pretty cool bit of foresight for, for them to realise that not everybody is going to be able to continue dancing forever or to stay within yeah. the ballet like I can't think of too many other professions like if you think about sports or something where people exit early yeah. it's like literally see ya bye I've that's, never heard really of that cool actually yeah. that's, that's awesome Mm-mm. yeah you know because it is it's a thing you know um, it's a pretty short lived career everyone yeah. even you know the people that sort of um, you know the bodies you know, hold together and they do it for as long as they can, you know, really 40s is like, you know, the maximum mm. amount of time that sort of people tend to stick in that sort of yeah. performing career. So, yeah. yeah. It's all fun and games until your ACL all disappears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how do you, so after you did a couple of courses, um, after you did a couple of courses, did you just say, uh, you just started calling people and, and started saying, I want to come and have some work experience. <laughs> yeah, so I was luckily at the time, one of the um, courses that I applied for, it was like a full day um, hand tools thing. And the tutor was um, someone that I had reached out to separately, um, you know, sort of inquiring about whether you know he had any sort of work experience that he was interested in sort of facilitating or any sort of work that you know he'd be interested in having someone around to do and basically he saw that I had sort of joined um, these classes and it was like look if you're really interested in um, pursuing this as a as a career you should be learning about how to use machinery safely, which was fantastic. Um, so it was like, look, you know, do this course, but once a week also come into my workshop and I'll take you through making a set of um, saw horses and we'll sort of go through um, safe machinery stuff and, and things like that. So um, that's how I initially started and he also suggested at the time, was like, look, if this is kind of going to be your approach, you know, keep looking around, um, 
for other makers in different fields of work that um, you know have you know a bit of you know casual work. So that's when I started to reach out to other makers at the same time while doing this stuff with um, his name's Liam. Um, so yeah, I I literally I, I got on social media, I got on the web, and I looked for local makers and. I wrote, I wrote so many emails out to people and didn't hear back from a lot of them, obviously. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I was lucky enough to hear back from um, Stephen, who's another furniture maker that I actually share workshop space with now, and and Brian. Um, Stephen Stephen Ziggeras, if anybody's um, eco eco wood echo wood eco wood yeah yeah eco, yeah. eco wood design yeah. Were you able to leverage off of your, because I, I can't see there being much of a, a crossover between the two um, professions, but was there any uh, connections that you had that you could use from, um, that you'd made through dancing, or was it clean slate? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought there would be some crossovers, so, mm. you know, to be honest, like, I guess because of my previous um, career, I kind of knew that I was more of a um, visual learner, um, that that was one of my strengths and, well, it at least was within that industry. I think because I had no idea about Furniture Maker, I think I was pretty slow and green to pick up stuff. Um, that, that didn't really transfer across at first, but... Um, yeah, sort of, I guess, learning learning about uh, processes and practice visually is something that um, I could trans... A skill that I could transfer across from one career to, to this, sort of from learning um, mm. from other makers. Um, mm. You know, I don't know, design's not necessarily my strength as a furniture maker, but... I had thought um, before embarking on this. I think I think you're selling your, you're selling yourself short a bit there. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, I, I tend to do that, uh, I guess. Um, but I don't know, like a, I guess a general sense sense of aesthetic and proportion. Um, you know, I always sort of, I guess, had a fairly critical eye. Um, in terms of that sort of stuff. And I guess that's so, I, yeah, I did a bit of um, freelance photography as well when I was changing mm. from dance into furniture making. So that's something, I guess, you know, it's all really visual-based um, mm. sort of work. So fast forward a few years, you meet up with Brian mm. and he lets you into his shop. Yeah. What, what year, sorry, what year did you finish at the ballet? Full stop finish? Uh, full stop. So, yeah, I took long service. It was halfway through 2017. So, <laughs> okay. sort of five years ago now. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a very short and very um, amazing career considering the, you know, the, the stuff that you're showing off on Instagram. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, that's very kind of you to say, um, you know, 
I guess it's one of those platforms where you tend to show you you try to show your best work, not not yeah, the that's, mistakes, that's, that's the only work there plenty. is. There's nothing <laughs> else plenty, behind that. So, you know. <laughs> so, I'm picturing like <laughs> yeah. you you meet up you meet up with Brian and uh, you start uh, yeah. interning there. Was that quite a and obviously now you can probably speak a bit more openly about only it. nice that, things, Viv. Only nice things. Come on. <laughs> was that quite a daunting experience, or did you feel like it was because you were um, going sort of under his wing? You there was a bit more encouragement along the way. The, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll preface this question: When I've been on building sites or near to building sites, and I hear the way those guys talk to each mm. other. I would be shitting myself approaching them <laughs> yeah. as an intern. So is it, is it, you know, if I was to be an intern, was it a different story than in Brian's shop? Uh, no, so, I mean, I was super nervous about, you know, starting up as an intern, you know, basically because Brian does such amazing work and, you know, while I had a bit of experience behind myself, I, was, I knew I was pretty green still, but... No, look, you know, Brian was so welcoming and so lovely and patient, you know, my whole time that I was there with him. Um, you know, one of those, he's one of those guys that would, you know, obviously I'd start off with sanding, doing simple sort of stuff like that, but it'd always mm. take time out to sort of stop and explain some of the processes and things that he was doing on the more complex part of the make. And... Um, yeah, no, yeah, Brian was always really, really lovely and approachable around the workshop. It's nothing like uh, what you're sort of describing <laughs> on a, a building site. <laughs> yeah, it's a slight so, so bit of a leap, something, I think. Something like sanding is where you'd start, right? And then what was the progression from there? How did you move up into the more uh, complex tasks? Uh, how did I, Brian? I don't know. He, he took a bit of a gamble or would be like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought you, you always asked intelligent questions, which is the most important thing that I look for with an intern. If I get an intern that's completely silent, it terrifies me. Like, that's yeah. when you're going to have problems. Uh, either the work's not going to be good enough or they're going to cut their fingers off. Um, but you always yeah. ask the right questions. And if you didn't understand something... Um, you asked me to repeat it again so yeah. that was probably the most important thing um, I think your kind of rite of passage which is what I do with most of my interns is was to make a pinch bench right oh, yeah. Yeah, <coughs> yeah I remember that yeah so that yeah. that covers a whole load of different jigs and joinery techniques and laminations and things so I reckon once somebody can do that by themselves in my workshop they can pretty much make anything yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was a really, uh, you know, fantastic piece to sort of make, Brian, because, yeah, like you said, there were so many jigs that were involved with um, making that piece and, you know, repetitive, repeatable, like, exact components and, yeah, your tolerances with, um, you know, cuts and, and everything had to be, you know, spot on for it to all come together. So I think that, yeah, that sort of level of... Um, you know, fine furniture um, making sort of really came into play, and it was nice to have, yeah, Brian sort of walking me through those those processes. Um, yeah. 
I'm interested, um, Vivian, like, I know sometimes I'll get designs through from a designer and there's been mm. no thought about how to actually make the thing. And it becomes, mm. everyone's probably seen these outlandish designs which are almost impossible to make. Um, so from somebody is kind of fresh into, just a couple of years into it, when you were starting, how did you find having your own personal designs and then working out would that like how to physically make that or what, did you approach it from a design first and or did you approach it from a, I know how to do this type of joinery and so I could incorporate that into a design mm, um, I think very much at first it was like I played it safe like I knew this you know joinery technique or, or you know I knew how to sort of basically assemble something so that's what I would sort of stick to when it came to making a piece for someone mm. um, but yeah like I think I guess that's where I was lucky like when I was trying to for, for clients sort of design something and, and push those boundaries I had um you know, started to rent um, some French bass from uh, Liam Thomas, the original guy that I did work experience with. Um, and then while I was doing casual work with Stephen, um, there was, like, he's a part of a, we're both now, but a part of a cooperative um, that has all these other sort of um, craftspeople um, renting space as well. Um, but yeah, I was able to sort of, I guess, brainstorm and ask around as well, different to, with different people, um, how they'd go about making something or what mm. was possible, and really got to sort of learn, yeah, how to make something through, yeah, asking a lot of people how one would, <laughs> would do it. Um, I <laughs> Brian's just killing us with his ear compressor. <laughs> um, I'll just wait for that. Sorry. <laughs> I um, <laughs> asking people questions is such a, a normal and um, simple thing as a response to my question, but I would never have had the balls to ask somebody, I don't know how to do this can you show me how to do it? I, I commend you for just straight up being honest because like, um, I, now I would, but at the time when I was learning, I think it was a really difficult thing to just say, what would you do? Uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Mm. I agree. Thanks, I think but, yeah. it's one of your strong points. Like, I know you think of yourself as being quite shy and reserved, but actually having the gumption to to take it upon yourself to ask people questions all the time has put you years ahead of other people that have got into furniture at the same time as you. I was going to say, I think having anybody in the workshop who's willing to ask questions um, all the time, I would love, I would love somebody to come in and ask me why I'm doing it and what I'm doing because it shows that they actually give a shit. Um, they actually have some kind of drive as to work mm. out what you're doing. I've had a couple of guys in the workshop who you, you just say, you tell them this is the task and they go, yep, okay, turn around and walk off. And you're like, 
you did not understand what I just told you to do. Like, <laughs> come back and let's talk about it some more. Oh, that Brian, yeah, I know he would explain something, and I'm like, I'm trying to absorb it, I'm trying to absorb it. I'd walk away and I'd be, kind of stand there and be like, Yeah, no, no, didn't get it, gotta go back. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've strength, the, not a weakness. The, the three of us have, have kids, so I don't know if you'd want someone asking all the questions all the time. I'm sure they would get a bit frustrating, and I think <laughs> that's kind of the yeah. that's kind of the problem with asking questions, um, but. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Joey. You could, that, there's that look on the, the look in the eyes that says, "I'm saying yes, but I don't know what you mean." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's when it's time to pack your bags and leave. I think because it's uh, not worth it. And talk us through your first through first few commissions that you got, Viv. Were they mainly for friends or for old colleagues, or how did you get your first first uh, run of work? Yeah, um, so it was actually through people that I sort of previously knew, um, knew through my previous work. Um, most of, yeah, my first couple of mates were through them, um, which was really lovely. They just wanted to support sort of what I was doing, and they also had, you know, a lot of interest in, um, you know, the, the craft itself. Um, yep. Yeah, I think just slowly over time, you know, so um, sort of starting to share workshop space um, on a more permanent uh, sort of basis with Stephen, there'd be a flow on of work from him, um, his side of business, where he would be too busy and he'd be like, oh, look, I've had this really simple inquiry come through. What do you think? would you be up for it? You know, if you are, I'll put you guys in touch and you can sort it out. And um, yeah, that's sort of how, you know, I started to get, I guess, other work as well. Um, and yeah, it's a, it was a bit of a mix, but yeah, mainly through, um, to start with, uh, people that um, I'd known through my, my previous work. You went from there to being exhibited in like Design Museum London in what two years? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was full on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. For, for everyone listening, um, you can't see that, Viv you know, getting he... physically, um, physically uh, energetic by that that statement because that was obviously yeah. a pretty crazy time. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the same time, it was, yeah, when COVID was happening and everything. So I just remember it being like, yeah, for me, this weird, stressful, strange time, but amazing opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that came about through um, Adam Markovitz, which um, you guys have spoken to um, before. Um, you know, and I guess I, I got to know him through... Um, the Woodwork Association here in, in Melbourne called the VWA. Um, so yeah, that was sort of a very fortunate um, sort of opportunity that came my way, um, which was, yeah, really exciting and yeah, learned a lot through that process actually, because at the time Adam was um, mentoring us as um, designers and it was really interesting to get kind of a glimpse into 
um, yeah, conceptually designing something, not sort of approaching it from how I had been approaching, you know, pieces, which was like, I know I can make, <laughs> you know, this and this uh, come together and it will, will be okay, you know, and sort of, or I want to explore this kind of joinery, I know I can do it here and here and make something, you know. And that, that must have been quite daunting as well, the fact that you didn't have to make that piece, you had to then explain your ideas and concepts to the manufacturer to make it. Like, I would find that quite stressful <laughs> right now. Mm, mm, yeah, I wasn't, you know, and I guess, you know, my skills with, you know, 3D drawing and all that stuff is, you know, it's pretty pretty basic. So also trying to figure out how, you know, I sort of, yeah, translate to them, I guess, all that sort of information in in a design. And I'm a terrible drawer as well. I'm not, you know, my, what I draw on a piece of paper is doesn't look how it should look. So, yeah. It, it <laughs> Indicative. Was, it was tricky. It was a tricky... Um, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, um, just from a point of view of dealing with clients. What do you do? How do you deal with getting your ideas across to potential clients? Mm. Um, so I have always used um, SketchUp uh, to a degree. So I'll sort of, yeah, draw things up there and share with them. Yeah. Um, just files from from that drawing yeah cool front view side view you know yeah. give them an idea of, of the piece and give them dimensions and um that's sort of usually usually been enough for them to get an idea of what you know what their piece will be hmm. cool yeah that's pretty much all i do as well just 3d drawings and put some shadows on it and it looks pretty good yeah, wax some shadows. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's interesting though. Like this time around, I'm I'm currently making um, like a a dining booth for someone's home, like an L-shaped thing. And for the first time, I sort of um, I you know did the whole sketch up thing, um, drew out what I you know thought I'd make, um, but. I sort of have also gone through the process of just prototyping um, a portion of it um, oh, cool. just to have a look at like, you know, backrest angles, the yep. height and depth and, you know, all these other little things that are going into it. And I actually took the prototype to her and got her to sit on it and said, you know, look, awesome. I find this comfortable, but this is going to be for you in your home. You know, what do you think? Um, and it was actually, it was good. Like, I sort of uh, realized, well, I realized that, um, you know, the backrest for her needed to be, you know, maybe more slanted and seat depth, like a little bit less because she's quite little. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was a really good, I think, process to kind of add in uh, with this particular make. Yeah. Instead of just relying on the, on the sketches. And, and moving forward. I've done that with uh, seats as well. I think all seating is, if it's going to be something like a built-in like that or anything um, upholstered, I think having the client who's actually going to sit in it 
and, and make it to their body is pretty important if you can do it um, and, mm. and because there's a lot of variance and you, you would have found out there's a lot of variance between you and, and your client and it's interesting I wonder if the way people buy chairs when they're just out in the shops they really just it, I think it's less on design and just what actually fits your body uh, because yeah, yeah. chairs exactly. are so different and I if I was going out to buy chairs, I'm just going to go buy something that's more comfortable and deal with the fact that it's not necessarily what I want to look at. Um, but I don't know some other people definitely buy for design first. But <laughs> yeah, every, everyone has different priorities and yeah. different comfort. I think the chair is yeah a, a difficult one to mm. to get right. Ergonomics yes. and what feels comfortable for one doesn't feel comfortable for someone else. So, anyway, yeah. yeah. And Viv, can you talk us through the experience of being part of the the John Wardle exhibition? How did you find that? Um, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Brian. Um, that was that was amazing. Like it was so cool. Um, you know. John's designs are pretty extraordinary um, and it was yeah it was really cool to actually yeah make one of his designs um, for this exhibition it was I was sort of um, it was interesting because it was a piece that had been previously made like as a one-off years and years ago um, because the piece that I made it was actually just meant to be a gift for his wife for I think a 25th wedding anniversary or something like that. Um, so he actually had like a, a physical, um, you know, piece of what his drawings and designs were. So I sort of got to look at his sketches and his vision. Awesome. But then I also got to see, um, you know, the one that had been made um, a, a few years back by another maker. Um, and it was, yeah. Just to describe it, it's a, it's a jewellery box on very, very, very spindly, fine legs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, very, so there must very have been a whole legs. load of um, technical challenges involved in it. Yeah, I think... Um, you know, there, there's, and it's one of those things where you, you walk that line as a as a maker, designer maker. Like, how much do you want to push the, like, boundaries mm. of the structural integrity of something? Yeah. Um, to be able to like follow through with that design um, of the piece, and I think, yeah, I mean, if I had just been making that piece straight up, I would not have done. Warden wouldn't have pushed for as thinner legs. Um, I would have been more comfortable making it a lot thicker. Mm. But, um, you know, aesthetically, I think it's, you know, it's a beautiful piece how it, how it is. Um, that's one of the sort of striking, I guess, elements to it is, you know, these quite angular, angled um, spindly legs. But So yeah, does making a piece like um, that then, do you think that then informs your future designs about going for the slightly less safe options sometimes and 
Mm. Yeah, I do feel like that gave me a bit of um, confidence to sort of push forward with that more um, moving forwards is like yeah take take a, a few more risks with um, with following through with an aesthetic um, yeah sort of visual look over something um, that's structurally sorry someone's <laughs> just popped into the room um, that's um, structurally sort of what Sound. Sorry, lost my line of thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, there, um, was there was there a discussion? The of working in a in a co-op. Um. <laughs> was was there a discussion specifically about that piece? With okay, yes, I'll, I'll I'll make it how you've designed it with these tiny spindly legs. But um, who mm. knows what's going to happen in six months or six years if they decide not to be straight anymore? Like obviously, I mean, some was there a discussion or were you just like? We all understand that it might not pan out. Yeah, with with John, I think there was that understanding from the start. I think he, because he already had sort of one made, mm-hmm. uh, I felt like he, he he was already clued into some of the issues and problems that um were going that were going to present themselves um, with that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, like he knew there was, you know potentially going to be some rock in that frame that it wasn't going to be solid um yeah. you know i think a, a lot of that design as well sort of the jewelry box in in his eyes is sort of meant to um come out and sit on that stand sort of when you wanted to um use it and pick something out but as a general um sort of you know how one would use it is that you'd take it off the stand and then store it uh somewhere else when you're not accessing or right. going through, you know, your jewellery or whatever. Um, yeah. Cool. So, at the moment, uh, Vivian, what do you, is there anything exciting that you're working on or anything exciting that we can have a look at Instagram for that's going to be coming out soon? Yeah, I've been, <laughs> been a bit slack with Instagram um, of late. But yeah, this I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting this dining booth done. Um, there will be a table that will go along with it, but um, because I'm sort of working through once again the designs um, with her and sort of refining it, I don't think that's going to be something that's sort of done until next year. Sometimes a bit more complex um, than what we had originally sort of thought would go with, but um, yeah. This dining room, I think it's cool. It's got an interesting sort of um, angular base. It's got a couple of compounds angles going on on each corner. Um, yeah, I it's and you know I'm I'm sort of doing my own uh, shots on veneers for the base of it. And um, yeah, fancy. I think it's it's sorry. I said I said fancy. <laughs> <That's Yeah. always. laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like, uh, you know, I think once again, traditionally, I think um, like a booth, kind of dining booth thing, they generally have higher backs and everything, but kind of wanted to keep this um, sort of booth not taking up too much visual space. Uh, you know, it's for someone's home and 
we kind of, you know, it's going to be two four by two three, and you know, we didn't want this huge like thing um, taking up the rest yeah. of that living open living kitchen area. So it's the back is quite quite low. Um, you know, I think all of it sort of only comes up to about seven sixty high the backrest okay. seven sixty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a yeah bit more modern kind of contemporary minimal thing going on which is yeah looking cool. forward to seeing complete yeah cool righto we are coming up to time i just have uh one more question are there any plans to have an intern in your shop at some point <laughs> <laughs> um look yeah that's, that's one thing that i you know I really try and keep on top of is that you know anyone that does reach out to me you know whether it's emails or via socials I really try to um, you know help facilitate um, whatever it is that they're asking about especially when it's about sort of learning about the industry or mm. you know even if they just want to come in for a chat um, yeah paying paying it forward because mm. uh, you know, I've got so many people just that I'm so grateful um, that have, you know, taken the time out to, yeah, to teach me, um, you know, about the craft and all, all, all that's involved in this sort of um, profession. So, yeah, try to pay it forward in any way that I can. Um, no one's approached me yet really for intern work um, but you know um, yeah I'd just say again a massive congratulations like it is incredible that you've achieved so much in such a short period of time um, to have exhibited your work where you've done to have like to have really built your own design aesthetic as well I think you can now really tell which are your pieces Um and it just shows the importance of anybody who's trying to get into um, becoming a designer maker that you really have to build that network yourself and it doesn't come just naturally. It's something that you really have to work at, work hard, ask the right questions, even things like joining up with the VWA and the extra links that that has given you. Um, it's so important, that network building, rather than just churning away in a workshop by yourself, mm. which is all very well True. and good, making mistakes and learning from mistakes, but just as a way to improve yourself as a maker and as a person generally, I think doing what you have done is just, it's, it's the only way to go about it. So well done. <laughs> Too oh. modest. Too Sorry, modest. Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But like, I, 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 it has been a, a great. I feel like just a, a great way for me to learn. Um, yeah, the network of um, makers and people that um, you know I've gotten to know and just been able to chat with is is you know helped me grow so much more than me uh necessarily just sitting down and, and reading a book or watching uh youtube uh you know how to's and, and all that stuff so yeah yeah it's, it's nice it's part of um you know the woodworking community it's pretty small but it's it's good and it's it's nice to stay connected so you're not yeah like you said brian that you're the only one in the in the workshop mm -hmm. 
Cool. All right. So to everyone listening, um, if you want to see more Vivian stuff, Instagram, you can search for Vivian Wong. Is that correct, Vivian? Yeah, I think uh, well, Vivian um, underscore L underscore Wong. Okay, righto. Cool. Go check it out. We're all um, following Vivian, so and we'll put a post up on, on the Shopstore podcast. So if anyone's interested, I would highly recommend checking out. And, and thanks for coming on the show. Uh, uh, it's, uh, we've we've uh, been trying to get, well, we've been talking about getting you on the show now for a good couple of months. So it's, it's great to finally have that uh, come to fruition. Thank you. No, thank you for having me on. It's been nice to chat to you guys. Cool. Cool. All right. Thanks, Bye, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next one. Yeah. See you guys. Bye.